we are continuing in our series on unrest and how Jesus was in the middle of chaos. Are we in the middle of chaos, you guys? No, there's nothing weird going on around us. We always have church outside every year. Yeah, no, this is this is new stuff because we got this pandemic going on around us that's still a struggle. We're praying for Ron and Blondie right now. They were exposed this week. And so Ron's not here today, so we want to keep them in prayer because there's that's just, just wearing our masks to make sure we're keeping others safe. We've got uh, what else going on? Anything else? We got an election coming up. That's no, there's no nasty in that at all, is there? It's all just peace and everyone's feeling joy and happiness in it. Cornbread. We've got economic stuff going on. We've got still job struggles that are happening. Uh, we're praying for that. Some of that's getting better. Some of that's still a big challenge. We've got all the things going on with injustice. There was the Breonna Taylor verdict this week. And while it was legal, it was unjust because the law there was unjust. And there are things sometimes that are legal that are wrong. And that's something that we're struggling with. What else we got? Anything else? Uh, school. You guys, how's online school going? Is that fun? You love being online for school? Yeah, the kids are saying, boo, no thank you. That's not hard at all, being a homeschool parent when you weren't planning on it. What else? What else? Hurricanes and fires? Yeah, that's right. We've just got a little bit of everything going on. My lesson is not one to load. So, I'm going to have to wing it, folks. So, how are we dealing with that here? We're trying to figure out how to deal with it all on our own, right? No. We're looking to Jesus. Because Jesus sets us an example of how we can live when there's a lot of chaos going on around us. And you guys online, I know it's going to sound real windy today. So I apologize for that. You're going to have to take that one up with God. (laughs) But Jesus, when he's in the middle of a storm, right? Where did we find him the first week we were studying this? He was sleeping in the middle of the storm because he was tired. And after he'd been busy healing and teaching and doing all this other stuff... He needed to rest, and he needed to rest so that he could figure out what God wanted for him, God needed him to be. The second week, we talked about prayer. It was a time when Jesus could go and communicate with God and to feel God's presence and to converse with God and to find out more about what it meant to be God. And we looked at the Lord's Prayer, and we talked about how God takes so much of our burden from us in that prayer and that our our burden, our responsibility is to follow God and to forgive those around us when we need to forgive. Third week, we talked about solitude. How'd the solitude challenge go? Anybody make it? Cricket, 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 chirp, chirp. All right, yeah. That was a tough one, wasn't it? It was tough to try to, um, to try to be by ourselves because a lot of us don't like being alone. And being alone with our thoughts. But the goal was not to be alone with our thoughts. The goal was to be alone with our Father. To be alone with God. And when we looked at the examples of Jesus being alone, we found that Jesus used his time alone to... To what? To pray? To, to talk to God? To let God pour into him. And as he was alone, his relationship with God showed up and God reminds him who he is God reminds him of his purpose and so like in the one passage he had been healing all day and then he went and went alone and his disciples said hey everyone's trying to find you and he said that's not my purpose we gotta go let's hit town and go to the next one because I gotta preach the good news that God loves 
that the kingdom is here. The internet is killing me. It is killing me. My lesson is not pulling. Ha! Okay, we're going to be good. I could do it. I could do it. But it wouldn't be as nice as the way I typed it. So this week we are talking about two ideas that are going to go together today. And those are the ideas of the trusted few and retreat. Okay, now, it's really important we talk about this idea of trusted few in counterbalance to solitude. Let me give you an example. Have any of you guys ever come up with a great idea when you're by yourself or maybe while you're sleeping? Something that you're saying, man, this is the big thing. This is going to change the world. Then you try it out or you tell somebody else about it. And what happens? It's a failure. They poke a hundred thousand holes that you were way off in what you needed to be, okay? We are prone to making God into our own image and making God try to say the things we want to hear and trying to make Jesus look just like us instead of allowing God to shape us into God's image, into the image of Christ. So, solitude is so important that we spend these times alone with God But if we're always alone, what are we going to end up doing? We're going to end up making things look like us. So we also need time with some trusted community. Our church family here, and then especially some people, mentors, teachers, friends who love Jesus and are trying to help us follow Jesus that will help us stay on the path towards God. Fellowship. I'm going to give you a definition of the word fellowship. Last week I gave you a definition of solitude from renovari.org, which is attached with Richard Foster. We'll hear from him again later in the service. But definition of fellowship. Listen to this. Engaging with other disciples of worship, study, prayer, celebration, and service, which sustain our life together and enlarge our capacity to experience more of God. What'd you hear in there? First word I heard was disciples, right? What do we just do in our memory verse? Whoever wants to be my disciple, what are those people doing? Denying themselves, taking up their cross, following Jesus. So we're talking about in this idea of fellowship, of the trusted few of community, of disciples that are going to engage with us in things that help us have more space for God, give us more experiences of God. We're going to talk about that some in the life of Jesus. Equally important, I said we're talking about two things. Trusted few, we're also talking about retreat. Has anybody ever been on a retreat before? A lot of folks here have been on a retreat. Why is a retreat important? Do you, do you need to leave everything else behind sometimes? Sometimes it's hard when you're in your everyday to experience something special. And sometimes we need those experiences. Leaving normal situations with a trusted few. That's who, who we're going with. Who are we going with on these retreats that we're talking about? The disciples, right? We're going with disciples on these retreats so that we can engage in our community somewhere else for a little bit, grow towards Jesus. All right, we're talking about Jesus. We're talking about his example, the trusted few, and caveat to this. Every single person you have ever had fellowship with, every single person you built community with, every single person that you trust, is going to fail you. All right? We are not perfect here in this group, are we? I'm not perfect. Ron's not perfect. Kyle's not perfect. Stan, Roger, Terry, 
pointing at all of you guys. We're not perfect. We're not perfect. And we hope that we're on the path toward Jesus and we're trying to work towards that. But Jesus is the only one who is perfect. So in some of these examples, we're going to see Jesus and those mentors do not take the place of Jesus as we're applying this to our own life. They are also disciples, right? We're all disciples. We're all learning and growing and becoming more like Jesus. So there might be people who have more wisdom. There might be people who have more knowledge. There might be people who are doing more things right day to day. But remember, everyone's going to fail you at some point. If they have surprise because one thing that's pretty normal about us is we fail right but praise god that's not the end of the story okay so remember jesus is jesus we are all disciples okay i'm gonna run past some things real quick if you want to go ahead and open up your bible or whatever to mark chapter eight that's where we're gonna land but i'm gonna jump through some other examples of retreat and trusted few real quick that i'm not gonna read the passages for i'm just gonna tell you about them in John chapter 2, verse 12, after he has had the, the wedding in Cana and he's turned the water under wine, Jesus goes and stays with his mother, brothers, and disciples for a few days. So he goes and he takes a break. After his first miracle, he goes and he recharges. Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 32, he instructs his disciples to come away to a desolate place to rest after they were sent out in pairs to proclaim. So they were all sent out to go and tell the good news. And then he says, come on, we got to go take a break. You guys need a rest after this. John eleven fifty. After he's raised Lazarus from the dead to the town of Ephraim near the wilderness because there's a plot to kill him. So Jesus gets away. There's some heat on him. People want to kill him because he's just raised a man from the dead and they don't like what he's doing. So he takes his disciples and he says, let's get out of here. Let's go to the edge of the wilderness and let's go be calm for a little bit. Just a few verses later in John chapter 12 verses 1 through 11, he goes back to Mary, Martha and Lazarus's house before the triumphal entry and the week before his death. So what's he doing there? The week before he's going to go to the cross, he goes to his friend's house and he spends some time with them to recharge and prepare some time where he can get ready. In John chapter 13 through 16 and in all the other gospels, we have the example of in the upper room. Uh, in John specifically is where he washes his disciples feet and he spends all this time teaching them and, and pouring into them for four straight chapters of him just pouring into them. In Luke chapter 22 verses 14 through 16, while he's talking about this time while he's in the upper room, he says this phrase, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover meal with you. I've eagerly desired. Jesus is excited and, and stressed, but excited about this time where he can be alone with his disciples. In Mark 14, verse 32 and following, he goes to Gethsemane to pray before his arrest. Who does he take with him? Peter, James, and John. Takes three of his disciples with him to go and pray. Now they fall asleep. I guess they were doing one of the, the rest disciplines. <laughs> he says, wake up, you guys. Can't you just make it an hour? And they don't. So rest. All right, Mark chapter 8. We're going to read a long chunk here, starting in verse 27. And this is going to be like a long retreat that Jesus and his disciples go on. So I want you to pay attention to what's happening in this, and then we're going to break down some of the things that happen in it that we can apply to how we rest with the trusted few and with the retreat. Mark eight twenty seven. Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. As they were walking along, he asked them, who do people say I am? Okay, stop already. Okay, so they're at the north part of Israel, and they go even further up north to this mountainous region. All right? 
They're getting away from where the main crowds are. They're going to a place that's got some different people in it that, that's away from where they're normally at. Okay, and what's the first thing he does? Yes, who do people say? What's he doing? What's he doing? So I'm trying to pull something out of him. See what they say. Well, 28, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say you are one of the prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you disciples that I've been spending all this time with? Peter replied, you are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Ah, Peter got it. Peter's starting to get it. Keep going, verse 31. Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later he would rise from the dead. As he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Jesus turned around and looked at the had his disciples, then reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan, he said. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Okay, well, Peter was starting to get it. Well, about him calling him Satan here in a minute, because that, that doesn't mean exactly what you think it means. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples. Okay, so they've been on their little alone retreat. Now there's a little crowd gathering. He says, all right, come on, you guys. I'll go ahead and talk to you too. He said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If any of you wants to be my disciples, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but you lose your own soul or your own self? Is anything worth more than your soul? Verse 38. If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns to the glory of his Father and the holy angels. Jesus went on to say, verse 1 of chapter 9, I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the kingdom of God arrive in great power. Okay, so what's going on? They're still up there. What's he doing now? He's teaching. He's teaching. He's setting an example. Verse 2. Six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, small group, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed, and his clothes became dazzling white, far whiter than any earthly bleach could ever make them. Then Elijah and Moses appeared and began talking with Jesus. Peter exclaimed, Rabbi, it's wonderful us to be here. Let us make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He said this because he didn't really know what else to say, for they were all terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus with them. As they went back down the mountain, he told them not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept to themselves but they often asked each other what he meant by rising from the dead. Okay, that was a big chunk. What all happened in this chunk that's going to teach us some things we can do as a group? Jesus took the trusted few on a retreat to challenge them, to teach them, to encourage them, to get them away from the crowds. Okay, what, did you hear all that in there? 
challenging, teaching, encouraging, getting them away, getting them away from what else is going on. He even, yeah, he even pulls to a smaller group for the special transfiguration experience. He said, I didn't even bring all the disciples for that. He only brings three of them. Man, why only three? Huh. Rest from the world's needs, thinking about what we talked about last week with solitude, allows us to do what? To focus on Jesus. Yeah? When the world's needs are set aside, is it easier to focus on Jesus? Absolutely. So let's pull some insights out. All right. As a community, based on what we just read here. Together, asking questions, we can come to deeper insights. Who do people say I am? You are the Messiah, says Peter. Okay, so if we've got someone who knows how to ask good questions in our community, can that cause us to start thinking about things and process stuff and pull out stuff that we didn't even know? If you're by yourself only, are you gonna pull up those questions? No, you gotta have somebody else to ask you those questions sometimes. So we can come to deeper insight through asking questions. Together with other faithful friends, we can be checked when we are off course. Can you check yourself real easily? It's hard to see my own blind spots, isn't it? Sometimes it's easier for my wife to see them and say, hey, Jonathan, you're not doing this. I'm like, eh, yeah, whatever. I'm mad for a second, right? But if I'm paying attention and I'm wanting to be humble, I'll listen. What does he say? Get behind me, Satan. Now, Satan means the accuser or the adversary or something like that. In this case, because what is Peter tempting Jesus to do? To not go to the cross, to do it a different way. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. The things you have in mind are not the things that need to happen. Okay, third. Together, we can push each other towards living a life for Christ's glory. Okay? If we are all on our own path, we're going to start thinking about ourselves more and more. But if we're together as a community, is it going to be easier for us to remind each other to work towards Jesus? Yeah. Jesus says you must give up your own way, take up your cross, follow me. Right? Is that hard to do? Am I? Do I want to take up my cross? Do I want to deny myself? No. No. I need the community sometimes to help me and to encourage me and to say, hey, hey, remember, remember where we're headed. Remember where we're headed. We're headed to Jesus. Jesus is better than anything you're giving yourself now. It's hard to see sometimes. That's why we need community. Fourth, together the experience of God's majesty, power, and grace can encourage us and we can remind each other down off the mountain they kept it to themselves as Jesus told them to but often asked each other what he meant you think they were talking to each other about what happened you think they ever while they were walking down the road John was like hey James remember that one time remember that one time when Jesus turned into super white and was shiny and his clothes were brighter than bleach and Moses and Elijah showed up you remember that huh do you ever have an experience where something great happens and you want to remind yourself about it and other people were there and you want to remind them about it? Yeah. That's why we love Camo, isn't it? We love Camo because there's some things that happen when we get away that can be a real blessing. Now, you guys know who talked to me that I do not like 
the outdoors. I do not like the sun. I do not particularly like camping. I do not like driving four hours. There's about nothing about the structure of Camp Mo that I like, that I want to do. Maybe if it was in the fall, I don't know. But I do not like those things. But I will go back eventually to Camp Mo. It's not because of the tent that I've got to sleep under. It's not because of the sun that's going to be beating on me. It's not because of the comfortable drive of four hours with teenagers. What's it for? It's because of the chance to experience togetherness, to get away from the rest of the world, and to get a chance to grow together towards Christ. And that's a special thing. And you know what? That's a little bit of what we do at this time, isn't it? A little experience of that every week. And that's why it's so important that we keep on meeting together, however we meet. Now, if you're online, that's okay. There's a lot of different ways we meet together, and we are entering a digital world where digital is going to be more and more a part of what it actually means to do things like meet together. So that's good. But being present with us online or here in person, we want to be reminding each other of what it's like to follow Jesus and why we love each other and why it's so important. And then there are times when we need more, right? We need some more depth. We need some more focus. We need some more intensity. And oddly enough, what do we do when we need more? We take fewer, don't we? We take just those few people. Those few people that we know will help push us. That will help drive us towards the goal of being like Christ. So what's our challenge this week? To the challenge. Pandemic puts a damper on us going on a retreat. So the challenge right now is not for us to go on a retreat. But here's what I want to suggest. First, if you don't have them especially, find people who you can trust to help you move towards Jesus. We can have a small group with any four or five people in this world. Are any four or five people going to help us move toward Jesus? Not just any four or five people, right? There's some groups of four or five people that are going to help you do something else. Right? So we want to find people who are going to challenge us. Not people who struggle with exactly the same thing as you. If it's all people that struggle with the same thing, there is benefit in that sometimes, especially if somebody has moved away from it further. That's why, like, what, NAA? You got a sponsor or something like that, right? Somebody who is ahead of you, who is pulling you along. So in our case, someone with some more spiritual maturity than you. Because if we're all fresh Christians, then we're not going to have the depth of insight that hanging out with Jim Roberts and Judy Roberts is going to do right? So we need people like that in our lives who will help pull us along with the wisdom and experience that they've gained over time. Second, like we already said, let's not give up on meeting together. Be here for outdoor service, be it online service, and participate actively. Find somebody to study the Bible with. Fran or Kyler or whoever's coming out to study with you, man, be there and be ready. If they're not, why don't you go find somebody to study with? Let's be in the Word together. Let's find people to read with. Let's find people to study and stretch and pray and grow with. Right? That's important. Make space for Christ-centered opportunities with others. That's what we want to do. And this is our third and final thing. This is going to wrap up our whole series. Okay? Because this is the last week of this. Seek 
Jesus. This is the challenge. Seek Jesus. I love this quote from Richard Foster. I said he'd be showing back up. He says, Christian spiritual formation has nothing essentially to do with such practices. What are practices? Practices like prayer and solitude and fellowship and silence. Christian formation essentially has nothing to do with those things. Many of these practices are useful to be sure, but none of them are essential. What is essential, listen close, is life with Jesus. Interactive relationship with the great God of the universe, inner transformation into Christ likeness. It's not about always getting your nine hours of sleep from our first week. It's not about becoming a prayer warrior. That's not the goal. It's not about having or being able to be in solitude for days on end. That's great, but that's not the goal. It's not about having the best group of Christian friends. That's wonderful, but that's not the goal. It's about living with Jesus. Becoming like Jesus and allowing Jesus to have and transform every part of us. Those things can help. But being successful at those is not the goal. The goal is Jesus. And as we fix our eyes on Jesus, those things are going to be things we want to add to our lives. We're going to want to serve. We're going to want to be together. We're going to want to be pray. We're going to want to be focused on Jesus. Those are the ways we find access to life. They don't give us life. They give us access to the life. Then, once we're seeking Jesus, when we engage the world and all the chaos around us, instead of our own response, it will be Christ responding through us. That can and will change the world. Jonathan's response to the pandemic is not going to change the world, is it? But the church, your kingdom come, your will be done. The way we love each other, the way we love those around us. Is that transforming? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Let's pray. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. God, help us to seek you above all else. Help us to keep our eyes focused on you as we find things that we need to deny ourselves of. Help us to take up our cross and chase after you, God. God, we want you. We want our lives to be shaped by you. God, take over us and transform us. Thank you for this community. Thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.